Welcome everyone to Now in Theaters, where we talk about movies that are playing right now. And let you know where to buy a ticket or just skip it. And today's movie? Uh, the Invisible Man. Sorry, I don't know what I was about to say. I, don't know I was like, was. the Visible Man? He's, <laughs> he's so visible. <laughs> You'll always see him coming. <laughs> Even when you least expect him. You'll see him. <laughs> I had to picture the trailer. Hey, is that that guy over there? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I didn't know I could see that far. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> um, um, hold on. Uh, Three words. Describe this movie. Oh, that's what that is. Um, I would say intense. Mm-hmm. Um, suspenseful. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> frightening. <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would go with unexpected. Um. Good. <laughs> and interesting. Okay. You want to go ahead and explain your words a little bit? Um, alright. So, I feel like intense and suspenseful is a little bit of the same thing. And as we'll get into our, our pros, especially, um, this movie does a really good job of building that up, I feel like, by various means. Um, and it's something I really enjoyed. It wasn't just jump scares. There me. was jump scares. There was, but, like, it's good when the movie, like, you're afraid because there's story built up, and then like a jump scare makes sense. You're not you're not scared just for the fact that you, something jumped out and surprised you. Right. Um. Uh. As so I I I thought I was pretty like like I wasn't like overly scared, but like I was still frightened by it, and I feel like that does its job as a suspenseful movie. Okay. Yeah, I was actually uh. Surprised how good the movie was. Yeah, I was about to say too, because like, uh, I think that it's a general consensus that this movie isn't uh, like the trailers have been pretty yeah, bad. Tra- and well, I don't know about if it's a consensus. My mom liked the trailers. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like I've been hearing that a lot though, and I agree. Like when I saw the trailer, it didn't make me like, oh yeah, I want to go see well, this. I think I don't know if the trailers were bad. I think the trailers told you the movie's going to be one thing. Which wasn't necessarily bad, but it didn't tell you what else it was going to be. Right. Because, like, I think this movie is a lot more than your generic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what it was marketed to be. It was right. marketed to be like, oh, there's something in the mist. And then that's it. That was the whole trailer. That was the whole, like, oh, he's there. You'll never know he's there. But that was it. But the movie itself it is so much more than just... I can't see him, you know? Yeah. And that's where the marketing failed, is that the, they didn't market the story. They, yeah. They marketed the man, the monster, whatever you want to call him, right? The yeah. antagonist, but they didn't market uh, what makes the movie good. Um, either way, so why don't we get into the good of this uh, movie? Before we do, just like spoiler li- alert, I guess, whatever it's called. Is it a spoiler alert or spoiler warning? It's alert. Alright. I don't that? know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I haven't like came out spoiler with cool warning. kids. 
is what you give people after they say spoiler alert. Okay. Because you're like, spoiler alert, and then you give them a spoiler world. Like, if you spoil that shit, I'll kill you. Oh, okay, okay. So, don't threaten our audience. Okay. <laughs> um, well, like, we're, yeah, we're just going to talk about the movie. So, if you haven't seen it yet, or you care, you know, you want to go see it. Which I think you should. I guess well, that's a spoiler like, alert. Stop. <laughs> Sorry. It. I'm just saying, like, the movie. Okay, if, you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to know that we've seen it, and... We're going to talk about it. So you should probably have already seen it. Yeah. If right. you haven't seen it, go see it, then come back. Yeah. All right. All right, so... <clears throat> uh, I think something we... I kind of already said, and we both agree on, is really good atmosphere. Yeah. Um. Very uh, good music, good score. Yeah. Very you know, subtle. Like, it's not, like, yeah. super in your face. And I feel like that's what I really like. In a good horror or suspenseful movie, is that like you you want like a build up in the music, but you don't want it to be like so much that you're like overwhelmed. Yeah, it's. I feel like it's the like this score is the let's see if I can use this word correctly antithesis of Insidious's score. Well, can you explain that? So you've seen Insidious, yeah? Yeah. In Insidious, I think the movie is pretty famous at this point for its score because its score was so fucking loud and like, but it was scary. Mm -hmm. Like the score was scary. Like whether what was on the screen was scary or not was irrelevant because those damn—I don't even know what instruments they were—but they were just scary. Mm -hmm. It was scary to hear, and the way they used them, they scared you with the music first. So then you're conditioned to be scared with the music, and then sometimes they'll have something scary with the music. Right. But this movie was the opposite. This movie was almost a proven point that you don't have to have scary music to have music that is scary. Right. Because, yeah, because it's uh, really soft. Yeah, it is really soft, and it's it's pretty mellow, but you could tell, even subconsciously, by what music was playing... What type of scene you were going to see. And even though it faked you out quite a few times. Because sometimes, and we're we're saying this right now. When the camera pans to an empty spot of a room. Like, you don't know what's there. Mm -hmm. They don't know that you don't know that you don't know what's there. But they play the music. Right. Oh, and I think, um, like, going into that point. That was something I, I really liked. That even before we have, like, an introduction of the Invisible Man, they make the choice to stay on these scenes, like, these scenes where um, there's, like, empty space. And even if the scene's not completely empty, we sometimes see our protagonist character Uh um, in it. Like, I like that they almost, like, do it where it's really zoomed out. Like, you feel like you're someone who's looking down at her or across from her, and it's just this big space. So it feels like, well, if there's an invisible person there, they could be anywhere amongst this huge space. Uh, There was times where I was looking for something, and I didn't find it yet. But was there something there? Yeah, like, there could have been something, but I think that, like, the character, the main character, she's kind of portrayed... As paranoid, yeah. But you, as an audience, feel paranoid with her because you're looking for things. And there's like uh, a scene where 
I guess like I I will go ahead and explain it really quick because you missed it in the theater. Yeah. Um. So there's a scene where like apparently I'm not observant enough. <laughs> where the the chick, what's her name? I can't remember now. In the movie. Yeah, her character's name. All right. Well, main character girl, um, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, she's she's cooking some breakfast and she's chopping up some veggies and she leaves a knife on the counter and she goes to wake up another character um, in the other room and so you, you see her leave and she you hear her calling out to this other character like oh it's time to get up and like we just we're sta- we're left as the audience staring at the kitchen. You know, and, like, there's just, like, such a subtle, like, the knife all of a sudden, like, falls off the counter. But it doesn't just fall and hit the floor. We don't hear anything. It is just nothing. And I think that was so clever because it was, like, it was, like, someone taking the knife. It wasn't that it just happened to fall. Right, right. And I think um, it's such an interesting take. Cecilia. Cecilia, yeah. Uh, uh, so it, I was going to say, I think it's such an interesting take because we have a couple of these scenes where the, the character that we're focusing on, which is usually Cecilia, yeah, she walks away and in most horror movies you'd be like falling really close behind these characters, but we're left in these empty spaces and these empty pockets. And I, I think it's just so cool because sometimes, yeah, something happens and it could be as subtle as like a knife, you know, moving mm-hmm. Or nothing happens, but we're left searching for it. Yeah, and I there, think it's really cool. There are times in this movie, and it's it's akin to that pretty heavily, but still, even even saying that is an understatement where there are times in this movie where she's looking at nothing, and we as an audience are looking at nothing, yet we are all completely sure that he's there. Yeah. And you don't know that he's there. Matter of fact, considering that the Invisible Man is probably a work of CG, he probably isn't there at all. They they didn't like CG in an invisible guy to be <laughs> invisible in the spot that you right. think he's at. So, like, I think that concept of like making someone believe something's there that they you can't see, and even if it is there, you wouldn't be able to see it. That is masterful. I feel like it's kind of like um. I don't know if you remember this, but I showed you it. It was, like, a, a little clip I found on Instagram. And I don't know what it was from. Like, it looked like a show. But it was this guy who was sort of, like, miming, but it was with an object. And he used a balloon. And he did this whole act, like, where he, like, was trying to push the balloon. Like, it looked like the balloon was really heavy because of the way he acted around it. So he was yeah. trying He was holding it, but the way he held it and it was moving, he was acting like, oh, this is really heavy. I'm trying to push it and everything. And he was acting like it was this great weight, when in reality it wasn't. It was just his mannerism surrounding this object. And I feel like that's what they did here, and they did a really good job at doing it. Yeah. Um. Going on to the second point, which they, these are mainly all your points, but I didn't like. I only have one point like okay. that. It's not <laughs> yours, but I agree with all yours. Uh, it's the story setup. Yeah. So uh, beginning of the movie, and I'm learning about the do's and don'ts of exposition. And I tell you, uh, the director here and the writer, mind you, they know what they're doing because something I absolutely hate and. We see a lot of on Cinema Torture 
is um, telling, not showing. Mm-hmm. Where someone will, one person will just exposition dump like 40 years of bullshit in like one scene. Yeah. And they're always really boring and they're like, they're, sometimes they don't even have flashbacks. They're just a guy talking like, oh yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. Yeah. And it's just boring. And to be honest, that happens a lot in horror movies. Because you always got to hear about the origin of something. You know, like, right. oh, I heard there's a guy 10 years ago who got burned down in the fire in the parents. Well, it's, and I was going to say, like, right, a lot of times me. it's like, um, it's also like, like people, they have to go and find out and everything. Yeah, they got to go yeah. in and find a book and they got to read the book. And then look, reading books is fine, but it's not interesting to watch. Right. But here, why I'm making this point is because we don't hear anything. We see it. Mm-hmm. And at first, you're kind of like, okay, you know what's going on. And then as the scene progresses, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. And then it just keeps going. And the the level of extremeness keeps going. I, and it really paints a picture of what we're seeing. Right. And, like, um, I'm not going to, like, like say the exact ending, and I, I don't know if we will or not, but I'm, it doesn't matter. But I feel like the way that this movie opens up, especially, and how it continues, we we know a couple things. We know that the main character, Cecilia, she's trying to get away from a guy who's, like, like she's obviously in, like, a bad situation. But we never see him do anything yeah. to her. So then, like, at the end of the movie... Oh, I actually have a bit of inside information about that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just say my point, and then yeah, you can ahead. add on to it. Uh, at the end of the movie, even though, like, uh, like, uh, like it's, again, like, we might end up saying the ending or not. I don't know, but... We're kind of left wondering, like, what to believe. And that's because we didn't get directly told... Or we got told, I guess, in a way. But we we don't, like, see anything, like, to that actually supports the main character. But then yeah. it all, a lot of things make sense, too. But that's, I think, such an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, go on with what you were saying. Uh, well, I was going to say that I, I heard that... The reason he didn't uh, show any abuse or anything mm-hmm. is because his his mindset was that he couldn't show you anything worse than what you would think happened. Oh, I think that's so. He kept it yeah. purposely vague, so yeah. you as as the audience would think whatever is worse. Oh, I feel like that's a, a really good tactic because there is a part where Cecilia, where she's talking with her friend and her sister, and she was kind of saying how he started become controlling and like they asked her, did he hit you? And he, she was like, well, yeah, like, and then she was kind of sometimes worse and like, but she never says like, exactly. what that could be. Um, and we see like how kind of messed up she seems from this experience. So we, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. Like we can only imagine what could cause her to become the way she is. Um, I guess you want to go ahead and go to the next point, or you yeah, anything sure. Okay, so again, okay, mainly your point, but I agree. Is that this is a a movie that's led female led, but it has a positive male character. Yeah, so something that's been a little bit more on the politics side of Hollywood and recently, recently yeah. is uh, you get these female empowerment movies, which 
uh, by nature are okay. Like, that's fine. Female, mm-hmm. You can have a female empowerment movie. The problem with female empowerment movies recently is that they have this, this mentality of, like, woman good, man bad. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and the most recent example uh, is our now in theaters, Birds of Prey. And that one was just egregious. And well, it's like every time you saw a guy, he was bad. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter if he's old, young, you know, who he worked for, who he didn't work for, if he, if he deserved it or if he didn't. There was just this consensus in the movie that men were just bad people. Yeah. And in this movie, while the antagonist is a male, there is uh, James, who found out his name, um, James, her, uh, Cecilia's friend, and as far as I know, platonic. Yeah. Uh, they weren't, like, together or anything. No, he was, uh, I'm not sure, it doesn't ever say exactly how they know each other, or maybe the sister knew of him, but she, he's a, a police officer, and she stays with him after she leaves her, yeah. her boyfriend, I guess. Um, and yeah, but yeah, there's no romantic interest, like, but no. they, they just, like, they care about each yeah, other. He's, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a cool guy. He's, he's played really well. He's, like, just a nice fucking guy, but he's, like, useful in the story. I was going like, to say, he's, he's not, not like, like, a token. Yeah, he, yeah, he's involved in the story. He's not, like, a white knight character either. Uh-uh. Um, and, like, like, there's, like, I guess, like, there's a part where it's, like, he turns against her, but it's not, like, to me, I don't really see it, like, he just like turns his back on her is because he has a daughter and he felt like his daughter yeah. was in danger so he's trying to protect his daughter like so but i think that's even just saying that like listen like showing a a, a good father in right. a movie is like and that's even crazier than fucking having a positive male i just feel like there's, there's some things that don't get, don't get shown in movies not not for any malicious reasons most of the time but uh, Birds of Prey was definitely a conscious decision. Right. But most movies just don't have room. Like, oh, put a good father in there. Like, what the fuck? That doesn't make sense. But uh, the way they did it this in this movie was, was very natural. It was very organic. And it made for a, a good dynamic between Cecilia and James. That, mm-hmm. like, you felt like, even when he wasn't on her side, that he wanted to be. Right, right. And that he wasn't, like... Like, oh, I hate you now, or, like, anything like that. Or it was, like, sh- like I said, it was, like, like even the scene where it's, like, he turns her ba- his back on her. He doesn't really turn his back on her. And I think, like, most people, like, can't understand that, like, when you're a parent, your kid takes priority about yeah, anything. Yeah, even, so, like, even if you were to be in a, even, even if it wasn't platonic and, like, he thought maybe she was uh, hurting his daughter. Like, yeah. You just, you, that's not something you put up with, so... I think, yeah, I think that was really cool. I think his character is something well-needed in Hollywood. Yeah, it, it creates a nice balance. Like, he doesn't, like, outshine her. It no. doesn't become... But it's like, he is a developed character, which exactly. is nice. He's a round character. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next uh, point, which I guess this is going more into spoiler territory, is questionable villain. Yeah, so... Um, I won't try not to go too deep into it, but... Essentially, there is a, I want to say a subplot where the antagonist's brother is present. And there's a moment, well, probably longer than a moment. <clears throat> yeah, right? Yeah, probably longer than a moment that 
you as the audience, even even the protagonist, questions whether she's been right the whole time and who she thought was the pro- antagonist is the antagonist or if she was also misled. Yeah. And uh, I guess she gets her answer, kind of. Yeah, it, if it leaves you kind of like with, with an ambiguous answer as an audience... And, like, it kind of makes, like, the ending and what the protagonist does kind of questionable. Like, yeah. you don't know who... Excuse me. Uh, I, like, had a hiccup. Um, um, you don't know who to, like, side with in a way. And it's kind of, like, I guess for me, in a way, like, I almost feel good for the protagonist. But then you don't really even know if she's in the right. Well, I think I? James is also plays a big part here. To uh, which we'll get to later, but um, yeah, so uh, it was, it was next one. Uh, I can't really speak as much on this, but you said that it was like an interesting interpretation of the invisible oh, man. so yeah, so invisible man is old, old monster, right? That's monster, monster. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've never seen any other film with the invisible man. Well, normally, I believe. It's a guy who drinks a concoction mm-hmm. and who just turns invisible. He can't turn back. Uh-huh. So, uh, I don't, I've never seen an Invisible Man movie either. I've seen Hollow Man, which is pretty much Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Same concept, except he goes into, like, a surgery. They were trying to become invisible, but the problem is they couldn't turn, turn back. But the, the treatment makes him go crazy. Oh. Uh. So, he starts killing people. Um, that being said, the concept of the Invisible Man... Uh, has been around for a long time. And yeah, I knew it was like one of those classic, you know, yeah. like movie monsters, but I've never seen like any. The, the closest like I've seen the character elsewhere was like in Hotel Transylvania. So, so this uh, was like my first like movie focus on the like Invisible Man character. But, um, what was I going to say? And I feel like for a modern audience, we don't. I don't want to speak for everyone because I feel like, of course, there's always going to be a niche for this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But for your average moviegoer, if I was to say, oh, come see our movie about a, a scientist who creates a potion that goes awry and now he can't become uninvisible as the premise, it it wouldn't be as attractive. Right. I think also because, like... We kind of have this need nowadays, which is, like, it's good and bad um, to have, like, explanation. So yeah. people aren't just getting kind of, like, by, like, oh, yeah, this guy created a potion, or, yeah, like, this well, not only elixir. That, but I feel like people want things to be a little bit more relatable nowadays. Um, they want, they don't want, they're, they're going to be like, well, I don't know any fucking scientists. Right. <laughs> like, why do I care, you know? And uh, I feel like this is something they've been trying to do, like with the with the past Mummy movie, they tried doing this. Uh, I haven't, haven't seen it, but I Frankenstein. I want to say I I saw that, but it was so long ago that I don't, I like don't really I, I do remember want to it. see it currently. Yeah, but, um, I don't really remember it being like that's probably why I don't remember much about it. I just don't remember it being like that good. Like it was like okay. But I just remember being kind of like, oh, all right. Like, it wasn't, like, amazing to me. Okay. But, well, um, I mean, that was, like, years ago. I have no idea how I feel either now. way, spoiler again. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing a suit. And especially, and you you don't connect these dots normally, but especially with the prevalence of superhero movies in the media, 
someone wearing a suit and gaining an unnatural power isn't even, like, out of the ordinary for us to believe. Right. And, like, the way the suit works is still, like... I feel like pretty realistic. It it, it is. Well, like, I mean, but it's like I'm not saying like there is one, but I'm saying like it's very yeah. believable. Yes, if someone were to say we're working on that, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's crazy. And like, <laughs> do you mind if I say how the suit works or like? Go ahead. All right. Well, the suit basically how it works is that it's filled with a bunch of cameras, and the cameras are like capturing every angle of where that person is, and like um, projecting it. It onto itself essentially, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's showing, like like a ca- probably like the camera in the back or somehow is capturing something and it shows, you know, on the front or whatever. So it's like it it makes it seem like the person's invisible. And the reason this guy was able to create it because he works in optics. He works like as yeah. an optics en- engineer. Um. Also, I was gonna say that. Uh, they didn't do the thing that I feel like a lot of invisible stuff does. Hmm. Is you know, like you get a lot in media where someone's invisible, they get this whole like bend the light around them type thing. Yeah, and because I, I think like uh, I mentioned how I remember here as a kid, that's what they were actually trying to create, and that's like what like how certain animals or other things appear yeah. invisible. But this in this movie, no, they were just like that motherfucker ain't there. Yeah, like, he's just completely not there. Like. You don't get hints at this guy being there. Oh, oh, I, I think I was talking about something else, but I get, yeah, there's no, like, outline of him. Yeah, that anything. you can see, because I don't think this movie's trying to scare the audience with him. It's trying to scare you with the, our protagonist. Like, yeah. Because she's really scared, so you start to feel, like, mm-hmm. her fear. Um, Alright, well, my, do you mind if I go into no, go this point? This is my personal point. Uh, so, there's a dog in the movie, Doge. and spoiler alert, he does not die. That's actually, yeah, that's the thing. For um, a horror movie, that's like strike one Every time blood. I saw the dog, I was like, oh no. Yeah, and her, then, she covered her face with a popcorn. <laughs> but the dog's okay, everyone. And not only that, the dog being alive kind of plays in a factor into it the questionable does. villain. Questionable villain, because villains kill dogs normally. Yeah. So, um, you want to go ahead and start this? Yes. To... Moving on to the other side of the coin, the, the smaller side, um, the bad. This movie, as good as it was, did have some questionable things, and we had to talk about them. So. There is a character, I believe his name is Tom. He is the brother yes, of the Tom. antagonist. And he, his job, like literal job, not just role in the movie, is he is uh, the head of his deceased brother's finances. Yeah, because um, he like works for his brother. Yeah. And uh, the, the protagonist, Cecilia, something I didn't like about their interaction was that uh, earlier in the movie, like in their, what, second meeting... He, Tom, tells Cecilia, like, listen, like, he controlled me, too. He controlled me a lot longer than he controlled you. Like, I understand how you feel. I hate him. When he was, when he, when I found out he was dead, I was relieved. Right? So he's, he's bearing his soul out, so we think. And, and later on in the movie, same movie, obviously, she, she kind of just goes to town on him. She's like, you know... Yeah, I know what you are. You fucking second fiddle sucking on your brother's penis, fucking oh. little bitch ass. 
bitch. And like, and I know that sounds weird, but she didn't say all that exactly. But what I'm saying is she, she kind of like emasculated him, saying like, oh, you're nothing without your brother. Your brother controls you. You're trash. But like, yes, sure. Um, because debatably, which we'll get into later, she was right. But my point is, this movie very much plays her out to be the victim of abuse of the antagonist. Mm -hmm. The brother, who already seems more submissive, is also the abuse, uh, a victim of the abuse of the antagonist, but is shown no sympathy before he was uh, seen as a criminal, a villain. Right. So, at this point in the movie, you have this guy... Who is just doing his job because he is. He's just doing his job telling her where his brother's money is going to go. And and he gets emasculated for it. And I feel like it's kind of a, a spit in the face of like this whole like victim thing. Yeah, it should have been like... Because it, it kind of... Like, or it appears that the brother is a great guy. Yeah. And like it, maybe they should just wait it like... Like, had that part, but after... Well, I think... I just think... Okay, listen. If I was to rewrite the movie, just, like, a scene, right? Yeah. I would just have her be like, listen, I know what you feel because I felt it too. We're on the same page here. You can't let him control you. I know he's still out there. You know, this is your time. You can break away from him now. Right. Like, at least try to appeal. Because, like, like when you don't appeal at all... You seem like an asshole. Right. No, I agree. I didn't think about that when seeing it. But yeah, it's kind of like... It It happened just like a moment too soon, yeah. essentially. And that's all. So um, and my next complaint was... So the uh, antagonist was said to be dead. There was yeah. pictures of him being dead. Like he committed suicide, yeah, supposedly. But, but he was eventually revealed to be alive. Um, they never explained how... Everyone, including the police, were fooled into believing that he was dead if he was not. They never said, like, oh, it was a fake body. Or, yeah. oh, it was someone else's body. They cut off the fingers so he couldn't get the fingerprint. Like, there was never any, like, anything. It was just like, oh, yeah, he's alive. And the cops were like, oh, he's alive. Yay. And I'm just like, well, hey, you were fooled. <laughs> you know? I, I think, um... I, I don't know. I was going to say that, like, I, I feel like... This isn't a good explanation, but if you had to create one, it'd probably be like, oh, they were they had a lot of money, so they could fit, like pay I off guess. people. But that doesn't that they never say that. Yeah, and that's like pretty, pretty uh, like a weak argument to go off of. Oh, and the last one. This is probably the only one I actually have a real, real problem with. I think the other two. I I told you when we're writing this. It's a bit nitpicky, but this one I'm like. Mm. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, so James, uh, this is going to sound silly, but admittedly, he is a paragon of virtue in this movie. He is in no way, shape, or form a bad person. Well, he's helping this woman who's been in a domestic abuse situation. He's a great father. He's a yeah. police officer. He's mm -hmm. not crooked. He's he's a straight-laced Good fucking guy. And there's even a part where I had mentioned that he kind of leaves the protagonist to protect his daughter. And, like, she ends up in 
in a bad situation, not because of it, but like following it. And he kind of says like, I should have never loved yeah, you. He I failed himself. you. Yeah, he's like, I failed you as a friend. And like, so you have this guy, right? The guy who, who's all about like being good. Right. And at the end of the movie, uh, are we, how spoiler are we getting right now? Oh, well, we erased the spoiler alert. So, all right, so, <laughs> full. so at the end of the movie, it is heavily, heavily, I'm not about like, oh my God, it's so heavy, implied that Cecilia kills the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like straight murderizes him. And James knows this. But instead of doing his job as a cop, doing his job as a friend... And like I think possibly just doing his job being as the a per- father. I was about to say just being the person that he is. Yeah, he just lets it go. Just just lets it go. Just okay. Yeah. That's that's what that is. I I kind of feel like in the scene it is played off a bit like he's in shock. Um I don't know. I felt but, like he was like disappointed. Yeah, I was gonna say because like um because, like, in the scene, it's kind of presented, like, he's listening in, like, because she's trying to get, um, she's trying to get her, her ex to confess. Yeah. But then, like, he's like, you never wanted him to confess, did you? And she was like, she doesn't, like, say. Well, she like, said she, she did, but. Well, but, she, yeah, like, I was about to say, she doesn't, like, actually admit to anything. I think it would have been kind of interesting and, like, ironic to have it where he did arrest her. Well, it would have made sense. But I was going to say that, like, the ending scene ends on, like, this expression where she is, like, relieved. She's freed of this guy. She never has to worry about him again. But I think it would have been interesting if he did arrest her at the end, but she still had that emotion. Yeah. Because it didn't matter if she was in prison. It just mattered that she... She was free of him. Yeah. I think that would have made a lot more sense, too. And it would have protected james's character um i realize because he's not the protagonist he doesn't need to be protected character wise but it just seems so like a like a lapse in logic like like oh i i, I believe that you could have hit my daughter but i but now that i know you've killed someone i'm okay with you walking away even though you know where i live right you know where my daughter is you you like like there's just so much like consequences to ignoring it you know and like for a while in the movie he thought she was crazy yeah so like you know and then so it's just it's just a lot of like i guess i'll just forgive everything and it's it's just a bit too much considering how straight lace his character was right and my last complaint, which isn't really a complaint with the movie, I guess this might just be my fault, <laughs> is that uh, I didn't think it was very scary. Did you think it was suspenseful? At I least? thought it was suspenseful. I think I was like, I wonder what's gonna happen now. Oh, <laughs> that was like my thought. I I was never like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? And I was just like, oh. uh, I felt kind of scared or frightened at least during the movie because like. But, like, that, it might be, like, the same effect. It may not just, like, it was the movie itself, but, like, rather me. Because, like... You're kind of a, you know... Oh, you're a little what? <laughs> you don't have the, the greatest mental fortitude. Uh, I was going to say that, like, 
I guess like the way I like to put it is that I kind of have like an overactive imagination and like in certain like films and books and stuff when I read it like the I feel like uh, I I mean for the most part it's kind of like an enjoyable quality of mine that I get really into it <laughs> yeah. to the point where I feel like I kind of like experience it but then like like so I feel like like um when the movie's done well like it makes me feel like oh man like I get really like invested into it um but like I think also it could, and I thought about this during the movie too, because there's times I told you like, "Oh, you want to hear this scary story," and I tell you, and you're not afraid of it, and I feel no, like it's yeah. because like, like not to sound sexist, but like it doesn't really affect you as a guy in the same way that it might affect me as a female. Well, I still think the the concept of an invisible dude trying to like fuck with me is that that would be scary in real life because I'd be like, man. But, like, well, I feel like maybe, like, the way it's presented, too, that she's, like, um, you know, as far as we know, she's, like, a victim of abuse and, like, an right. abusive relationship. And in this context, it's, like, like uh, it's, you know, being associated with a female victim. And, like, I don't know if I just perceive it a bit differently in that case. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think that's the point. I think mm. the point is... Of having a female-led movie, I think, is so females can like look at it and not Mary Sue it, like put your plate, put yourself in her place, but at least like understand the emotions being felt. Well, it's kind of like um, I don't again, like I'm not trying to say this example in a mean way or anything. I don't even think this is completely true. But you know how like women are always really like like oh men don't have to be afraid of going out and. The- parking lot at night or whatever like that we do though but yeah i was about to say i feel like guys just have a different approach to it yeah well because we're and, just like listen if we're gonna get stabbed hopefully we could like punch him in the face first yeah and like i feel like women are always like men don't have to carry out their keys like claws and everything but it's like well yeah because men are like kind of stronger than us so yeah, they don't really we have just, to these are fists <laughs> we in my mitts <laughs> that's from sin city um but like like, I, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of, like, that's maybe, like, something of that nature going on. Now, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, there's just, like, an approach to it where it's different because of our gender. Yeah, and I, like, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. So, I once again, though, I think that's the point. Yeah. Either um, way, are you... Oh, no, that was not, I was just kind of, like, saying, yeah, this is... It, it's not bad. I'm not trying to make it say it's, like, bad or good. It's just, like, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, now on to the more objective part of this podcast. We have the box office. So, of course, we only have the box office for the opening weekend, which is said to be just as important, or even maybe even more important, than uh, the rest of it. And this movie, on its opening weekend, made a cool $29 million. Now, you really have to look at this in the context of horror movies because uh, when you compare box offices, you can't compare this to the Avengers or anything. So, as far as horror movie goes, $29 million is great. Look at The Boy 2, which is, I think it's a horror movie. Uh, I think that made something like 13 uh. opening weekend. 
And even now, it's like, no, it, I think it was less, because I think it's only at like 10 million right now. Oh. So, uh, considering this is a, it's a low-budget horror movie, Blumhouse, who is the company who made this yeah. movie, they are extremely well-known for making low-budget horror movies. They are the artistic version of Illumination. <laughs> so, like, they actually keep their creativity and they care about people. Um, but they do still have low budgets. This movie was made on $7 million. Oh, wow. Um, so, if you include marketing, which marketing wasn't super duper 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 yeah, heavy. Yeah, maybe they should have spent a little more money there. <laughs> uh, well, they should have spent more money on the damn staff. The, I, the I actual like... spots they were in were fine. Yeah. But I think that could have contributed to it considering the the marketing tactic for this movie was let's play 15 second clips. And you really can't put much into 15 seconds. This movie, I don't think, had like a real extended trailer. And I understand that uh, because you don't want to give too much away in a horror movie. But because of that, I, myself, and you as well, we didn't even want to see this movie. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we got word that it was good and we went and we saw it and it was good. Yeah. But um, anyway, so $29 million, that is a good opening. Whether like- it has legs... We'll see. Do you know if that's domestic? or That is domestic. Opening weekends only count it as domestic. Oh, okay. There okay. is an opening weekend for everywhere else. I just don't count it because, like I told you before, right. the, the actual profit from foreign countries is minimal. Okay. Um. Uh, do you want to talk about the director? Oh, I think you know a yeah. bit more about him than I do. So, yeah. The director of this movie is uh, Lee Wanell, and... I would say, unfortunately, and it is unfortunate, he's most famous for Saw. Oh. He was James Wan's partner on making Saw. Okay. So when you hear about the two guys who made a movie for $1,000, Lee Wanell and James Wan. Okay, okay. And Lee Wanell was actually in Saw, and he was a reporter. Yeah, okay. So um, he's been wanting to be a director for a long time. And for some reason... And I'm not really sure why. I'd have to become an insider in Hollywood to find out. They only wanted James Wan. James Wan was the one getting all the attention. Seeing, seeing, they they heralded him as the creator of Saw. Okay. Um, but Blum, Jason Blum from Blumhouse Productions, he he saw something in in Wanell, and uh, I mean, he gave him Insidious Three, which was fine. It was good. Um, but it kind of like a Marvel movie. It's like inheriting inheriting something that's already there. Right. It's just like, keep this up. It's not yeah. your, like, creation. And he did, do because there was an Insidious 4. So if he would have screwed up badly, there wouldn't have been. Right. Um, and then he had Upgrade, which I desperately want to see. But we will get to that this year, later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this was his third movie. Or technically fourth. I don't know if you want to count Saw. I, I mean, um, I would still. Third for Blumhouse. And, uh, yeah, I think this movie, even if it doesn't break records, which I don't think it will with this opening, um, I think it's going to put him on the map. I think it's it's really good, too, that it's, like, he made, like, a, like to me, and hopefully it'll be a, considered a successful movie, like, with good scare tactics in the film. Well, successful is subject, uh, subjective, but it's already profitable. Okay. And in Hollywood, 
that's most of the battle. <laughs> that's that's kind of like what I meant because it's like, like I want to see more horror movies where it's like a build up and there's a reason for me to be scared and not like because someone jumps out or like a it's door like a slams. Fucking cat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate that like, shit. It is fine to do that, but that should not be the bulk of your scary moments. Yeah. And like, all... I feel like when there are jump scares, it's nice to have it. Like, there's an actual reason for you to be scared. But, um, yeah, do you want to go ahead and mention the oh, yeah, star sorry, of the movie? Sorry, Elizabeth Moss. I don't really know her anything else. She's from a couple of TV shows. She's also in The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, oh, you know what? She's, like, the main character in that, isn't yeah, she? Well, I don't know. I can like, sorry, as soon as he said that, I can, like, see her face and everything. But, um, I, the reason I wanted to mention her, actually, uh, I do want to start mentioning the stars of movies here. But the reason I wanted to mention her is because I think she did exceptional. I think... Uh, she played her role really well. I feel like you can really ham it up playing a, a, a kind of like paranoid psychotic. But she kept it very grounded, very realistic. Mm-hmm. And even in times of like where she would be crazy, um, believable. Yeah, I was going to say that I feel like uh, it also, again, kind of helps play into like who's like the real villain here, you know? Because it's not, like, so obvious. That being said, what do you think people should do? I would see it. I mean, I mean we did see it, and I, I did not See it's not an option. Oh, we should buy a ticket um, <laughs> and go see it. Like, I, I think it was, like, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend to go see this in theaters. Yeah, I I would also say buy the ticket. I think this is a a rare horror movie that comes out and it's not fluff. It's not like... uh, like, like, Listen, it's not going to change your world. But it's an actual horror movie that I enjoy seeing. And I'm not a fan of horror movies most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I like horror, but most of the time it's not really done. It's it's fluff. It's just, I'll scare you for an hour. Like, all right. Cool, and then I get out, and I don't give a shit. It's kind of like, and I love like haunted houses and stuff too. Like I'm not like trying to say these are horrible, but you know, like um, you can create an effective haunted house off of like Dollar Tree decorations. It's because yeah. it's all about the jump scares, yeah. and like that's what most horror movies do. They're not a lot of content. They're just like you're like ah, and then you're like oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then you don't care after. Yeah, it doesn't stay with yeah. you. And this do, movie, it, it actually makes you think. And, and at the end of it, you're kind of like... Oh. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't exactly keep me up and give me nightmares. But like, and maybe it will for some people. Uh, maybe the situation in the film kind of hits closer home to someone else. Yeah, very true. Um, but um, it, I don't want to say it keeps me up because it like, makes me scared, but it does make me think. And that's something I really like from it. But either way, so two buy the tickets. You should go see it if you haven't yet. But if you haven't yet, you shouldn't be listening to this. Yeah. So. Or maybe you're though. interested in seeing it now. Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't know. Or maybe you want to see it again. Hmm. <laughs> either way, that's a wrap. 